Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Weekend View podcast on Friday, October 27th, sponsored by 42 at the Clinton Center. On today's edition, we're going to talk about taxes and budgets, the newspaper industry, and literate crime and related things. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Good afternoon. If you are listening to this soon after we post it, come on down to Argena from 6 to 9. The Arkansas Times Craft Beer Festival Friday is happening night. Friday night. Uh, there's going to be hundreds of beers from dozens of breweries and all kinds of good food and music and fire pits and fall weather. It's Sounds gonna, good. It's going to be delightful. Uh, something that was not delightful, the U.S. House this week narrowly passed 216 to 212, a budget framework that sets up a $1.5 trillion in tax cuts. Not surprisingly, the four uh, Republican House members from Arkansas voted for the plan. Well, yeah, not surprising, except something like 40 Republicans didn't go along. I mean, they, they, they just barely passed this thing, although there are a variety of reasons why some Republicans aren't on board. But our group is just going to stay with the administration all the way. Uh, this vote, well, it almost certainly sets out a path for big tax cuts. It sets out a path for greater deficits. Inevitably, it's going to mean cuts in Medicare and Medicaid to meet the budget guidelines. What what we don't really know is what the tax cut plan is going to end up being because there are a lot of differences of opinion on, I mean, all the Republicans certainly want to help the rich people the most, but there are parts of this that, that hurt Republicans too if they do away with a lot of popular deductions uh, for the home They'll protect the home mortgage most likely, but they're talking about doing away with the deduction for state and local taxes. That's a big loss in a lot of places, including in Arkansas. So there's a lot of fight, a lot of fight yet to come. Uh, Arkansas is in a position where we really can only be hurt because everything I've seen about taxes shows very little benefit of any real value for low income and middle income people. Uh, but if they cut spending on Medicare and Medicaid, that hurts a poor state like Arkansas. If uh, they do away with the income tax deduction, that hurts 40% of the taxpayers in Arkansas who claim that deduction on their income tax. So I don't know. It's uh, But our people are going to go along because that's just that's what we do. Great. Uh, let's talk about our sponsor, 42 at the Clinton Center. It's soon well, to be. 42 is about to become 42 Table and Bar. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to call it that Monday, but Thursday night of next week, they're going to start dinner. Thursday through Saturday, they've, uh, in the last throes of remodeling the restaurant, adding a full fledged bar, upgrading the outdoor seating with those famous fire pits you mentioned earlier. So you can look out on the river from a fire pit. But the big news is that they're going to have dinner uh, three nights a week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and, and also have bar hours that are going to extend into the later than a guy my age stays up as a rule, but maybe not some of you other people who are younger at heart. But mm-hmm. uh, the food's still good. They're still serving lunch every day from 11 to 2, Monday through Saturday, and it's always good. And there's always a soup and sandwich special that's a big hunk of sandwich and a big bowl of homemade soup. And this is the weather for homemade soup. That's right. And they have good ones. All right, I can't wait for dinner. So Little Rock Police again raised concerns this week about a black entertainer scheduled to appear in a Little Rock nightclub because of problems at past concerts in other cities. Uh, the The name of the singer is Jacquees, um, and I'm glad you knew how to say that because I didn't. I'm pretty sure. I think I think you may be right. Uh, and 
it's not even a concert. It was, it's billed as a meet and greet. It may not even come to pass because, as is explained to me by one of the guys at the club, La Change, which was going to have the meet and greet, they had understood from a flyer that he was going to be in town for a concert, and they said, well, great, we'll get him to come by the club after to meet people, and we can charge for that. Well, as at last word, it wasn't clear whether the concert date had been set up. But in any event, uh, I guess whenever flyers go around town about acts, particularly by African-American performers, the police, quote, intelligence division, unquote, goes to Google and, or whatever they go to to find out about their past. In the case of Jacques, there was an appearance uh, he had scheduled in Davenport, Iowa, I think, where somebody was shot in the club. They had bad security in the club. Well, he, he never even got there that night. He had nothing to do with it. There were some bad people there. And then there was another occasion where there was a shooting that the police talked about, but it was on the parking lot after the show. And, you know, I, I just think, and the police chief, to his credit, in, has said previously, and again in an interview this week with the Democrat Gazette, said, you know, he doesn't want to get into the business of deciding what is a suitable music show and what is not, but, you know, you just don't feel like a country and western act gets the same kind of scrutiny. And there have been some horrendous fights. I remember particularly a guy who was who was left mentally damaged for life by a fight on the, I think, on the parking lot of one of the country and western clubs in southwest Little Rock. I mean, you get alcohol, men, women, and together, and it's a volatile mix. I don't care what color your skin is. Now, I think there are elements of the music industry, gangster rap, that glorify things that, even if they don't necessarily encourage shooting in the event, they certainly make people like old white men on the city board very nervous. Yeah, but of course there's those same elements in country music and blues music. Sure, and I mean, there, there's outlaws elements everywhere. So so in any event, they sent out a letter to Herbert Broadway, who's been operating a club in this town for decades, and he said, I'm happy to work with them on security, and I think they worked it out. But, you know, but again, it just kind of raises, first of all, this notion that now the city board is going to be notified whenever the police have raised a question about security in an event. I mean, I just don't think that's the city board's place. I think Bruce Moore's the city manager's in a tough spot, and he feels like now, because of the ruckus that was raised on the first rap show, that he's got to tell the city board because we have a bunch of scaredy-cat, old, fogey-white board members who, if it were left to, to Dean Compuris and Gene Fortson and some of the rest of them, we'd just outlaw rap music, I guess. And by the way, Jacques uh, Lachange insists is not truly a rapper, although I saw a lot of news accounts that described him that way, but that may have been uninformed writers. I think he's he's known most for R&B, for sort of some tuneful music, as <laughs> a matter of fact. So just, just to portray my own bias in, in music, that I, I'm more of an R&B fan than a hip-hop fan. So, I. Uh, Meanwhile, today, city director Ken Richardson um, announced, or I guess maybe it was the city manager, that there'd be a, a kind of forum to talk about yeah, the, a city in crisis. Right. Ken Richardson calls it crisis in the community, and he's been writing a series of emails that he shared with me to members of the city board and others about the, the way policing is now being done in the inner city, which he represents. 
and he's seen a lot of occasions. And I have to say, I, I drive through this neighborhood. It's not far from where I live. And last Sunday, I was driving through central Little Rock and noticed multiple police stops of cars in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. I mean, I, undoubtedly, there were some legitimate causes for the stops, rolling through a stop sign or whatever. But Richardson feels like there's been an over-aggressive policing where they respond to a single traffic stop with four or five police cars and people in the community are treated, as he said, like trespassers and, and by white police officers often who don't live in the city of Little Rock who who some people feel like they view them more as, as zookeepers than as police officers who are serving and protecting. So Ken Richardson wants to have a meeting about it. And, you know, we just, we have this tension. I mean, it's it's about econ- economic class. It's about race. It's about a police-city divide. I, I do think it's exacerbated by a police force that overwhelmingly rejects Little Rock as a place to live for whatever reason, but none of them good. And, and you know, we had, it was <laughs> an ironic contribution to this discussion came today with the arrest Tuesday of a 41-year-old guy who runs a detail shop and t-shirt shop, but he was arrested on a string of felony drug and gun charges, and it turns out he was the founder of a group that is supposedly invested in diverting at-risk kids from gangs into productive pastimes like playing sandlot basketball or something. Well, and he's had a picture of himself with Mayor Stodola, and he's he's in, I don't know, we don't know yet if his group is one of the runs that's received money from the city to work with at-risk youth, but certainly he's been at the city board, and they were viewed as a positive to get children to do better things than smoke marijuana and have guns, and he's in jail for selling marijuana and having guns. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's life in Little Rock. Yeah. Uh, moving on, there were 27 layoffs announced in the Democrat Gazette this week and 86 in all at the WECO newspapers, the newspaper chain that Walter Hussman, the publisher, I guess he's not the publisher. Well, he's, well, the, he's I mean, he's the owner of the company. I mean, the owner of the Democrat Gazette. Yeah, and Waco Media. And Waco I mean, Media. Yeah. So. Well, uh, this is not a good time to be in the newspaper business. And, and I want to say I, I, I take no joy from their, their competitor of a sort. But, I mean, we're in, the, we're in the same bind at the Arkansas Times that we start over every week and hope we'll be around for another week. Uh, the Democrat Gazette also dropped its Monday business section in a fairly weird way, I thought, without announcing they'd done it. They just kind of did it without explaining it, which was sort of weird. And I just got some notices about a number. They're dropping a free weekly they published in Northwest Arkansas and making a number of other changes. And I love their story in which they said, we promise you, although there's going to be less, it's really more. (laughs) Having done this myself, I know how hard it is. But less is less. Fewer employees, fewer pages is less. It just is. you know, the Democrat Gazette once had a 250-person newsroom. It's now 100. That's a, that's 150 jobs lost of people who used to cover the news and entertainment for the state's largest newspaper. Their circulation in Pulaski County, according to their figures, is something in the range of 50,000. It used to be well over 100,000. They've had to raise their circulation rates because advertising. All of this, by the way, is not because they are bad people or they've done something wrong. It's it's a newspaper. It's it's the product of the internet, which has completely dislocated the news industry. Uh, 
the last 25 years in America, the cumulative number of dollars devoted to newspaper advertising has dropped every single year. And at this moment, nobody really has an idea if we've seen the end of it. It's all gone to Google and Facebook and places like that. And, of course, Craigslist decimated the classified business long ago. Uh, So newspapers are holding events. They have craft beer festivals like we're having tonight. Or bridal shows. Or or bridal shows or old fogey shows like the Democrat had last week to get old folks who still do read the newspapers to come in and listen to other old white men talk about stuff. Uh, They uh, have started digital advertising agencies to help people do digital stuff. But I notice the Chamber of Commerce next week is going to have an event where Google's going to come in and teach everybody how you don't you don't need to do business with the democrat gazette or the arkansas times we'll handle all that digital stuff for you and pretty soon between amazon and google and facebook i don't know america will be down to three businesses i guess that just kind of run everything digitally so i you know it's uh but less is less uh there has been a significant number of new jobs on the internet for reporters for a variety of information startups some of them venture capital products, some of them nonprofit products. Nobody's yet made any money on any of these. There are some alternatives. The big gap is is local alternatives. What's, right. what's really been killed by the death of newspapers is local information providers. And I, I think that's, you know, we're trying to do our little part, but that's that's the real loss is you look around Arkansas at, Places like Stuttgart, Fort Smith, Pine Bluff that had pretty good little daily newspapers. If they still have a daily newspaper, they're running on fumes. I mean, they just don't have much staff, and it's it's just hard. And so inevitably, however good or bad what we had before was, we've got less now. And, and so there's less coverage of the school board, less coverage of the city board less information about a community and even if you put aside the idea that some of this reporting uncovers misdeeds and promotes good government and just knowing your community is better just just being aware of it knowing who people people are it's just that's that's something that builds community and when you lose that uh, you've just lost something Uh, we're gonna someday the world's gonna look back and and think we've got a big gap yeah, yeah. Well, from dabbling in the nonprofit sphere a little bit, uh, there's there's definitely a lot of momentum there and some big money, but so much of that money is going to the the big players. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of talk about you know filling the gaps and your palm bluffs of of the country, yeah, but not. but a lot of it is going to ProPublica, which does excellent work, and Texas Tribune, and and the the, the players who have this great track record and can deliver results that that funders can then celebrate. So. And a lot of the funders, I mean, they want things, They whether it's it, not bad things, criminal justice reform, environmental coverage. I think the Texas Tribune stepped into a hole because Texas has a vibrant and rich col- political culture and a lot of really rich people and a lot of rich industries that depend to a great degree on what happens in Austin. And so there were people who were willing to pay to support 
that enterprise when the big dailies shrunk their coverage of, of Austin. So, yeah. but you know that no, there's what what's what's to be gained by somebody paying to cover the news in Pine Bluff. Yeah, I think one hope is that philanthropists will start seeing uh, journalism as they they see sometimes the arts. Like you're going to endow, you know, the art center, which has its own struggles, of course, but yeah, right. uh, or a, a library or something similar. That journalism will be one of those things that people just sort of think of as a public and cultural good. And well, I'm in a little foundation that gave some money to Arkansas State to support reporting in the Delta where there is none. Right. Yeah, so. that's good. Okay. <clears throat> okay, for this last segment, we are pleased to be joined by Stephanie Smittle, the Arkansas Times Arts and Entertainment Editor. We, uh, we, we brought Stephanie in because we were having a, a good conversation in the newsroom and, and wanted her to be a part of uh, a similar one on the podcast. And that was about the uh, Me Too phenomenon that's emerged in the wake of um, big scandals like the, the Harvey Weinstein um, uh, reporting that the, the New York Times did and then a number of other uh, media outlets followed up and then another, a number of famous actresses came out and reported things. And, and that's led to um, just... A, incredible amount of other stories about other powerful people. Um, Mark Halperin, the, the famed uh, journalist, uh, was, was one of the latest uh, to be outed. Um, but this, this kind of phenomenon of people talk saying, me too, you know, I also experienced this kind of sexual harassment has been uh, one that I think we agree is, is positive, but uh, it, also, just there's just so many different levels to it. Yeah, well, first, I, I think we started talking because as of yet, there hasn't been an Arkansas-specific Me Too story yet, but I think I'm not the best one to say, maybe, but I'm guessing there are some. What do you think, Stephanie? Well, I think if we've learned anything from the whole movement, it's that uh, the idea is that all of this is happening unseen and unobjected to and uh, brushed under the rug and and I definitely think that there's no question uh, that it's existed in Arkansas and it's it's difficult to tell to what degree it's such a multi-layered thing as we were discussing you know there's there's the element of conduct and how we uh, behave you know human to human and then there's uh, all the sort of layers of the ways in which society informs women to uh, be gracious, uh, be accepting, uh, don't, you know, don't be uptight, be able to take a joke. Uh, I'm thinking of the work of, who's the woman that wrote um, Sex in the New Single Girl? The Helen Gurley Brown. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas Native. <laughs> yeah, Arkansas Native. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Telling, you know, how to appoint your apartment to best be pleasing to men and things like that. And, you know, we like to think of that as something that is sort of safely cordoned away in the 1950s and it's not it's right here with us and um things that have got me thinking this week are molly ringwald's essay in the new yorker where she talks about the experiences that she's had since uh, with directors harvey weinstein and and others since she was 14 years old and um you know 
handled them with with grace and and class and and pressed onward. Uh, also, Kate Blanchett's uh, you know somewhat conf- more confrontational way of, of of coming out and saying you know uh, it's it's not safe to assume anything about a woman's intentions by what she wears. Um, what she wears is is her own choice, and it has a lot more to do with how she sees herself and how she chooses to move in the world than it does with the person observing that. But And this is where the old fogey came in for me, which is I absolutely accept that, and, and absolutely, and we've had some discussions on my blog about this by readers, the notion that how you dress conveys nothing to the outward world or, or should not be read that way. But I'm just old fogey enough to, to say that, well... Let's let's make it a male thing. I really wish you'd cut your hair, you know, when you wear when you wear those dreadlocks like that. It's I get a political signal from that. Just, sure. just like somebody that short skirt, you know that. I'm sorry that sends a signal somehow to some people, it, just by way of warning, if nothing else. Sure, and there's no doubt that clothing is meaningful. It's a way we express ourselves. But I think the problem comes in where <clears throat> what, the observer of somebody's wardrobe assumes that that clothing is has anything to do with them, whereas it, it has it has so much more to do with the way that person sees themselves and observes themselves and and feels at their best. And of course, it's much more than clothing. I, I, I had an embarrassing moment. I was relating about remembering to my wife uh, somebody I worked with a, a, a supervisor who behaved inappropriately when he got drunk with women on the staff and they handled I thought they it was not a secret to the rest of us and and the women handled it well I thought and I, I can't say that it affected their careers but of course it was wrong in every respect and and, and I, I don't know now what I should have done but what I'm kind of liking about what's happening is is there's no statute of limitations. We're not talking whether it's too late to file a criminal charge or whether there's a civil suit to be filed, but a lot of women, and it looks like it's going to spread, and that's why Arkansas is on my mind because I don't think we're immune from this, if anything, maybe a little bit worse, is that sometimes people are saying, well, you know, I'm sorry I didn't say anything 25 years ago, and now I am. And I, I think there might be some men out there not sleeping easily at night yeah i mean just just on our staff when we've been talking uh just kind of among ourselves uh, i know a lot of people have heard from people in these last weeks privately like hey i this happened a long time ago i behaved inappropriately and uh, so I, i suspect that 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 phenomenon will continue and just to the the clothes uh perspective i think you know stephanie and i are sort of this the same cohort in terms of age and that the notion that you're talking about to me is very like you know I don't know if our generation entirely gets it but it is much more of an accepted premise than I imagine your generation Max thinks of it and I I hope that there's this that we are moving toward where say my kids that will just be you know of course they'll get it and I mean maybe it takes many many generations to undo the the kind of societal programming that um, got us to where we are. But, but. you know, th- this whole thing about attitude, I mean, I, I, in a way I hate to bring this up because it's kind of a slightly difficult one, but a third woman has come forward to say that George H.W. Bush, the 93-year-old wheelchair-bound guy, has told the same sort of body joke 
At the same time, he grabbed them by the butt or patted them on the butt when they met him. And a lot of people, some older women, even Andrea Mitchell to name one, has said, oh, come on, you know, picking on this old man. And, and you know, there is this thing in, in high school athletic room, you know, coaches pat guys on the butt all the time. And it's kind of, don't get me wrong, again, I, I don't think there's any occasion in which a man should pat a woman on the butt unless it's fully understood that it's a welcome gesture. That it's consensual. That it's consensual and on the front end. But there is still this sort of thing, you know, about that some things are viewed by a lot of people in ways that, in a lot of different ways. And I, I don't know how we, I don't know how we fix that exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's true. It's a spectrum, right? I mean, it's, it, it can all be wrong, but, uh, you know, uh, I think the George Bush thing is really gross, and the idea that oh, old men can get no, away can with get things. away with it because he's an old man, right. right? No, I was really mad when I saw Andrew Mitch say, "Oh, come on, leave him alone." No, well, no, no. I mean, there's not a point where suddenly stuff's no longer off limits. Well, and if these conversations, uh, you know, have any meaningful impact in the long term, my hope would be that it's sort of the crying last dying days of of the idea that the the good old boys club and the dudes club is a given and an immovable and unchangeable thing is absolutely changeable and absolutely movable it's just going to be the sum of a million decisions of people to stand up and say hey that's not cool when something is clearly not cool yeah amen and 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 apart from improper behavior we live still in a world in arkansas particularly where the presence of a woman ceo is almost unheard of the number of women on boards of direct, never mind skin color which is yet another terrible act but i mean we still have a, a you know a society that is not equal yeah okay well let's leave it there and move on to endorsement stephanie will you stick around and endorse absolutely i'm gonna endorse uh Getting along these same lines, getting out and seeing a show by one of many talented women making music in the Little Rock scene. I caught a punk rock show last night from a really cool band I never heard before called Squelch, and another artist, Princeus, who have been kind of following. She's uh, they are a Korean uh, queer artist making pretty experimental uh, performance art here in Little Rock. Cool. And uh, my new favorite rapper from Texarkana, Bozzy Owens. I'd highly recommend going and checking out her track, Don't Blow My High, which is, uh, if nothing else, an endorsement of you know a woman's right to be at a club and boogie down because she wants to and not for anybody else's benefit or uh, observation. Bonus points for a topical endorsement. Very good. <laughs> yeah, wow, that was great. Well, I'm going to endorse candy. You know, Halloween's coming next next week, and I try and buy decent candy for Halloween. And I was in Kroger, and I bought a bag of something I'd never heard of called Take Five. And I'm here to tell you, this is an undiscovered great candy invented by Hershey's a few years ago that apparently never took off. It's five different things. It's a salty pretzel that crunches and some peanuts and peanut butter and caramel and chocolate. It's incredibly good. You can't buy Go out and get you a sack if you can get them and hoard them. Don't give them to the kids. Get them some kisses or something, but save the take five yourself. 
one little tiny candy bar has 210 calories after I learned after eating about six of them in one <laughs> sitting. So, but anyway, take five, try them. All right. No Jolly Rancher. People give Jolly Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers are good. Not everybody can eat chocolate, you know. Oh, man. Jolly Ranchers. That's a bummer. Well, I'm going to lose the endorsement game because mine's fairly lame. Uh, But I think I mentioned several weeks ago that I'd gotten on Apple Music because I wanted to get the Drag City catalog, and I've been living on that and uh, just loving Silver Jews, American Water, uh, David Berman and Stephen Malcolmus, like 1993 or four album that I think most people probably it's their favorite Silver Jews or at least top two or three really fun album um, but you know it, it really weirded me out the more I thought about it that this was something that I listened to pretty constantly 10 or 12 years ago and then have not for at least the last eight years and that's only because it's has not been available on the streaming platform that I use and how the internet can just do that to things that there's so many um, kind of conveniences of the internet but that can exclude all sorts of things and I mean we think about that in, in reporting our archives when we change content management systems we lose stuff sometimes forever and if you want to find it you've got to come up here and dig through our archives which is a pain to say the least so um and then some of our stuff's only been on digital yeah and we lose it it's gone forever Hmm. yeah so the pod this podcast right here for who knows listen to it quick and get uh 42 yeah check out their website so you can see what the deal is going to be on dinner and see what the specials are but thursday night 42 table and bar is supposed to roll out with a whole new deal with separate entrance and lots of good things at the clinton center Okay, thanks, and thanks, Stephanie. Thank you.